You can go ahead and be seated, and uh, if you have your Bibles, uh, you know where to go, Psalms. Uh, we're going to look, actually, uh, the Psalm that, that I have uh, tonight is uh, actually the, the, the verse that Ryan quoted, Psalm 126. Uh, we're going to talk about that briefly. Um, but these songs are, are very uh, relevant to what I feel that the Lord wants to say through this Psalm tonight. The first one... Um, you know, I know that the breakthrough is coming, right? And oftentimes that's really the way that we live our lives, knowing that, that something is coming, right? We, you come and you follow the Lord and God does a work in your life and it can be this powerful move and it can be this place where you find peace and you can find joy for the first time, maybe that where you feel secure. And then there's, and then there's still life that needs to be lived, Right, I, I remember the first time that I came to the Lord. It was way back in 1991 uh, when, I was, when I was a kid and at a VBS, Vacation Bible School. And I wasn't, you know, really a church kid. We had gone a few times when I was young. My parents divorced, and when they divorced, I went with my dad, and we moved in with my uncle for a time, and he had started going to church and we started going to the same one, I think more so so that we would have a place to go. My dad was a single dad and needed community and, and probably needed a place to drop me off from time to time. But I went to a vacation Bible school and met a lot of friends there. And we were sitting in one of those days. I think it was in June 1991. And I was sitting there, and, and the message was given, and they talked about, you know, they gave this picture of, of heaven and, and, and hell and, and earth and, uh, you know, the people on one side, and, and the cross was the, the bridge to the middle. Hell was the place down. If you fell down, you went into to hell if you crossed over, and, and the cross was in the middle. It was the only place to get across this, you know, fiery pit. And, of course, as a 10-year-old, I'm thinking, man, I don't want to fall into the fire. I better run across the cross, you know, and you get all in this thing. And I didn't know why, but I knew that I just needed needed that, right? I didn't have the answers. I didn't have, uh, I didn't have any knowledge of the Bible. I didn't have any scriptures memorized, uh, but I just knew that I needed that. Maybe it was my friends. My friends were all Christians, it seemed, you know, that went to the church, but I just knew that I needed it, and so I responded, and this lady named Pam took me to the side room and be able to, began to explain the gospel to me, and I prayed the prayer, and I didn't, I wasn't looking for it. I went to vacation Bible school just to have fun and just to meet my friends, but it was like in that moment, God chose to step into my life. Now, it wasn't just that moment. Everything didn't change. My life didn't become perfect. My parents didn't get back together. We didn't all of a sudden have a bunch of money. You know, me and my dad grew up very poor, and we lived in the tiniest little trailer in the trailer park outside of town, and, and everything was, it was a struggle. Life was difficult, and, and I didn't make it, right? I, I struggled, and I fell into things, and my life became a mess. And then 10 years later, in July of 2001, was the next time that God powerfully stepped into my life. My life was a wreck. My life was a mess. I didn't have any faith. I didn't have a relationship with God. I hadn't been to church in years. I was on drugs. My, 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 the thing that I did every single morning, the first thing that I did was wake up and get high, and I woke up one morning, and God said enough. It was that morning. I wasn't looking for it. I wasn't trying for it. I didn't say a prayer. I didn't ask for God to step into my life, but it was that morning God said enough, and as I was standing there getting ready to get high right next to my bed I just stopped and I couldn't do it 
And I just, and I just, I felt this, this overwhelming desire for God in my life. And I prayed a prayer that would begin the process of God restoring my life. And everything didn't change in a moment. My life didn't just suddenly get back together. My life, I didn't just go right into college and get straight A's. I didn't, you know, I didn't run into a bunch of money. My rusted, beat-up car didn't turn into a nice Corvette or something like that. Everything didn't change and become perfect in a moment just because God stepped into my life. It changed, and I experienced peace, and I experienced joy, but there was still life to be lived, right? And we find ourselves even in that position even now. And some of you might be able to think back to those moments when, when God stepped into your life in a powerful way. Maybe it was like my story, a time when you were young and, and maybe you weren't able to sustain it. But I fully believe that it was the event in, that happened in 2001 when God was able to step into my life when I was standing there with drugs in my hand. The only reason that happened is because he first stepped into my life when I was 10 years old in 1991. Neither time was I asking for it, but God chose to do it. He rescued and he delivered me from something. I may not know what it was at the time, but he delivered me from something so that my life could now have a different trajectory. Right? We don't always know in a moment exactly what God saves us from because we still have to live the life that's in front of us. We still have circumstances and we still have consequences that life leads us through, but it's the remembrance of what God has done before that inspires us to pursue what God has for us in the future. And maybe you don't have any experiences with God. Maybe you're sitting in this place tonight and you don't have a relationship with God. You've never really given your heart to him. You feel like he's never really stepped into your life. Well, he's brought you to this place so that you can hear what God has done before in the lives of others. And it can inspire faith in you to declare the name of Jesus that he may step in and begin something powerful in your life. But the point is, and that I'm trying to make, and what we're going to see in this psalm tonight, because it, it looks a little, a, bit, a little bit like this, is that God has moments where he steps into our life, and it seems like everything is good, and everything is great, and oh, the joy that we experience, but then there's the middle, right? And, 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 and like the psalm says, but it, it's uh, in, in the middle is where you promise to be, right? Show up, God. I'm not enough unless you come. Meet me here again. God, I need you here. And this psalm takes that shape as it talks about, you know, these, the people of God have, are remembering back to a time when God has done great things, has done mighty things before, but yet they find themselves in the position that they need God to move again. And I don't know about you, but I am constantly in a position in my life, I need God to move again. It doesn't mean that I'm a good Christian. It doesn't mean that I'm a better Christian. It doesn't mean that I have it all together. It doesn't mean that I'm super spiritual. It just means that if I'm smart enough to know anything, I'm smart enough to know that in each and every moment, I need God to move again. And if God wants to move, then I'm going to get out of the way so that he can move again because what he can do is so much better and greater than what I can do. But let me read this psalm real quick as we jump into this. Uh, psalm 126. Uh, it's a short one, and Ryan already so quoted one of the scriptures, so we're like a, a sixth of the way there. Uh, and I'm reading the ESV tonight. It says, When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with shouts of joy. 
Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. We are glad. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like the streams in the Negev. Those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. He who goes out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. You see, my life is marked and over and over again with moments of God's salvation. I get into a mess and God rescues me and then I get into a mess again and then God rec- rescues me. But it's each moment that God has done that that inspires me to know where I need to go and where I need to turn when I find myself in that position again. And I think one of the things that we get confused and, 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 and we carry with us from our relationships in this world is that when we fail, when we make mistakes, that the last person that wants to see us again is God. But what God would want us to know that is when we fail and that we, when we make mistakes, that he's the first person that, we, that he wants for us to let into our lives because he's the only one that can make the difference. He's the only one that can change the situation, that can help us overcome the mess that we've gotten ourselves into. But we have to get it inside our heads right here that God is for us and that God is not against us and that God loves us and God desires to bless, that God desires to heal and to restore store if we will but let him. And this psalm, as I said before, is, 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 is structured a little bit like what I talked about before. They had experienced a rescue from God, and it's likely the rescue was from the nation of Babylon, which at the time was the worst, most terrible thing that had ever happened to the nation of Israel. Complete destruction, completely dispersed all over the countryside, temple destroyed, everything gone, everything that they were. They were almost no longer a people again. God had rescued them from Egypt. He said, once you were not a people, but I made you into a people. And now they find themselves having been made almost not a people again because of the destruction that Babylon brought. But they were so amazed. It says, you rescued us before, God, and we were like those who dreamed. I can't even explain how good it is. You've had dreams before, right? Where you, somebody asks you, well, what'd you dream? Well, I don't even, I can't even explain it, right? I don't even have words for the weirdness that just displayed in my mind. And my kids will tell me that all the time. They'll come out, and, and, and I remember my son Liam used to always come out and say, Dad, last night I saw a movie in my eyes. <laughs> it was like, a, a what? A, a movie in your eyes? Yeah, on, the, on my eyelids. There was there was a movie last night. I was like, oh, okay, well that's a dream, buddy. <laughs> like like what did you dream? You know, and 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 helping them because there's just not really any words to to describe. But we're like those who dreamed, and when you're like people who dream, there's there's an expectation and there's a, a newness and a passion and a desire for 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 good things, right? When you have a dream in your heart for something, it's like man, the whole world is opened up again. They said, wow, we were like men who dreamed, those who dreamed. We, we were filled with shouts of joy and our tongues with laughter, and it was so good. The joy and the glory was so great that even the surrounding nations stood back and said, man, those people are blessed. And that's how amazing it was. Right. That's how good it was. But then they found themselves not just in a place of salvation, but now in a process of recovery, because even though God had rescued them from the enemy, they still had to reestablish themselves in the place that God had provided for them that they lost because of their disobedience in the first place. 
Like I said before, even in my own life, I can look back to the times when God stepped in and he stepped in and he did something great. And he did something powerful that couldn't be done without him stepping in. But it didn't just make everything perfect. It wasn't like the light switched on and now there was no more problems and it was sunshine and roses and good coffee every single day. Sometimes you still get a bad cup of coffee and angry people that serve it to you. <laughs> But they still found themselves in the process of, of recovery. They still found themselves in the process of having to live out the life before them. You know, and I can imagine that when you come into Teen Challenge, it can seem very much the same. It's like, man, I've got a, an opportunity for a new start, right? They're promising me a new life and promising me goodness and promising me freedom and all those things. And then you have to, you come in and it's exciting. And then you wake up the next day and you're in a room full of guys. It's like, but wait a second. <laughs> you still have to live the thing out, right? And we see that here. There's, there's, there, they were excited to have the opportunity, but with the realization of the opportunity that there's new struggles and new battles and work that has to be done. It's like we're standing there saying, you know, and, and, but, we're, but we're reminded, you know, that God has done this. God, you, you've done an amazing miracle, but God, I need you now. God, I'm here again. I need you again because I don't know how to complete the program, right? I don't know how to deal with that person over there that keeps driving me insane. I don't know how to deal with myself. I don't know how to treat my children. I don't know how to talk to my spouse. I don't know how to stay clean. I don't know how to pay my bills. I don't know how to get myself out of this mess. God, you did a miracle before, but I'm here again, and I need you. And that's the cry of this psalm. As they declare, God, you did a great thing before and we're so excited. But Lord, restore our fortunes, oh Lord, like the streams of Negev. God, we want more. God, we're not satisfied with just being rescued. God, we want more. We want everything that comes with our identity. We want everything that comes with being the people of God. We want everything that comes with being called blessed, with being called favored. And don't you want that in your life? Did you come to Teen Challenge just to be rescued off of drugs? Did you come to Teen Challenge just to be pulled out of the crack house? Did you come to Teen Challenge just to get your license back or to get a few bills paid? Or did you come to get everything that it means to be an, a son of God, to be called blessed, to be called favored? There's a difference, and we can't stop just because God did something yesterday. It doesn't mean that we stop now. It means that we find ourselves in the place that we are now. We forget what is behind. God, thank you for what you have done, but I'm not living off of yesterday's blessing. I'm finding where I'm at now, and God, I still see a road ahead, and God, I need you now. God, restore now. God, work now. Move now. Do it, Lord. There's moments in our life where God steps in and does something completely unexpected. But what I've come to know and realize is that most of the miracles performed are the ones where we step out in faith, one foot in front of the other, and we trust in a God we cannot see to perform a work that we don't understand. We trust in a God that we cannot see to perform a work that we don't understand. But what is, there's a few things that I think this psalm helps us understand about a work of God in our lives. As we stand before him and say, God, do it again. God, we, we trust because of what you've done before. Do it again. There's a few things that, that I think can help us understand uh, uh, about a move of God in our lives. 
And then there's a few things, some, a couple of things that help us understand how. So the first thing and the first principle about a move of God in our life is just what we've been talking about. If he's done it before, he'll do it again. If he's done it before, he'll do it again. God is not like a vending machine game where you put a quarter in and you might win once and then you go, or like a slot machine that you never know when it's going to happen, what's going to happen, if you're going to win, you might hit once and you're never going to hit again for 27 years. God is, is, is not that way. God has delivered before and he will do it again if we posture ourselves and place ourselves within uh, giving him the opportunity to do so. And it's not just for you. It's not just that he, like I said before, that he's moved before for you. You might be one of those individuals that has never, feel like you've never experienced a move of God. Well, it's also the fact that if God has done it for anyone, then he's going to do it again for someone. So it might as well be you. Because the character of God says that he is the kind of God that searches out. He is the kind of God that restores. He is the kind of God that, 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 that binds the brokenhearted, that heals the wounds and, and delivers and does these things. And, and what we have to see is the people cried out to God to restore their fortunes because of God's testimony. Not because of their own and not even because of somebody else's. They said, God, we saw what you have done before, what you have done, God. It is your testimony that gives us the confidence to stand here today and to plead with you once again to God to do it once more. So if God has done it before, then he'll do it again. The second principle about a move of God is that nothing can stop God's healing flood. Now, the analogy that this psalm gives us, I've actually been to Israel and I've seen exactly what this verse is talking about. When it says, restore our fortunes, O Lord, like, like streams in the Negev. The Negev is an area of south, uh, like more towards the, the southern part, south of the Sea of Galilee, where kind of the Jordan River just kind of flows through the center. But there's this valley in the middle where mountains are on both sides. Now, in the dry season, it's like a desert. From the top of the mountains to the bottom, it's just sand. There's just nothing there. But then all of a sudden, the rainy season comes, and the, the rain drops down so intensely that when it comes down these mountains, there's actually grooves cut out in the side of the, of the mountain, and they're called wadis. W-A-D-I. And they explained this to us when they were there. You don't want to be on the road when the water's coming down the wadi because it's like, you know, it's like a mighty river just all of a sudden just started flowing out of them down the mountain. They said that there's been cars washed away. There's been livestock washed away. And what it does, though, is that because it's a valley down low and mountains up top and the, and the rains usually come uh, from that direction over the mountains, that the water comes down now and it saturates the dry land below below and in a in, in a very quick amount of time all of the vegetation and the greenery begins to pop up again because of the amount of water that begins to flow it's almost as if in the desert that the the crops and the grass and all of those those things are just waiting they're just sitting there waiting dormant it's not that they have to be you know worked over forever and prayed over and toiled over it's like no here comes the rain pop there goes the grass they're just waiting for the rains to come and so when the people 
people say restore our fortunes like the streams in the Negev. They're not just saying, oh, yeah, may we feel a little splash of water. No, wash through us. This is a healing flood that comes through and fills, fills every part of the dry land and causes vegetation to pop forth. It causes life to pop forth. And so what they're, they're saying is, is that the floods fill every dry place and make way for a new season of growth. Right? This is something that you don't want to be caught up in unless it is the Lord's doing. You don't want to be caught up in a natural wadi because you'll just be washed away. But we want to be caught up in the, in the wadi of the Lord. And that's a new term that we can coin tonight. The wadi. We're praying for the wadi to, to flow over us and bring about new seasons of growth in our life. God, do it again. Restore us like the water that rushes down the mountain and causes the seed to grow. And it's also true that that same healing flood is, is a necessity to, to bring about that, that harvest season uh, that we're going to talk about in just a moment. But the other principle about a move of God in our life is that our return is always greater than our investment if we're patient. Our return is always greater than our investment if we are patient. And they talk about that in the second half that those who go out weeping, uh, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. This is the idea that I'm going out with a little bag of seed, right? And I'm casting out and I'm sowing, but it's not with a little bag of, of produce that I'm coming home. It's with sheaves, right? It's with basketful and bags full and carts full because it's the amount that I'm casting out doesn't compare to what it is that I'm bringing back in. And I have to ask myself always in my life is, is my investment, has my investment in the Lord brought a greater return than, than uh, has the, re the return of the Lord, is the return that the Lord has given me greater than the investment that I've put in? And and if it's not, then it might just be that I haven't let my investment mature enough yet. If it's not greater than, it might just be that I need to sit and wait for the full harvest of the Lord and not wait for the first crops to, to, to pop up that, that are probably going to waste away before the full load comes. But I want to wait for the full crop of the Lord to be produced in my life so that my investment is greater than, and it always will be. So many times we get excited and we want to jump ship or we're not ready for what God wants to do in our life. But he says, if you just wait, you'll know when it's time because you'll have more blessing than you can handle. And God wants you to leave the season that you're in with more blessing than you can handle so that you have enough to sustain you in the place that he's taking you. When God took the people out of Egypt, he didn't just send them on their way with nothing. No, he caused the people of Egypt to give them even their gold and their jewelry and food for the journey. And they didn't even really know why, but God blessed them so that they would have enough for the road. And I would tell you today that you, you cannot, you must not move or go until you have an overflow of blessing in your life from the previous season that God can use to sustain you into the next until the, the crop that you will reap in the next season has time to mature and to grow. Because what you have to understand is everything within the kingdom of God falls within the principle of reaping and sowing. 
And so if I, if I sowed in one season and I reaped something, that means that harvest is going to carry me as I sow into the next season. And then that season eventually brings a harvest. And then I carry that harvest into the next season where I sow again and so on and so forth. So if I'm walking out with nothing, then I've missed what it is that God wants to do in my life. Because that's not God's plan and desire for you. Because if you walk out with no blessing from the Lord, you're going to walk out looking for a blessing from the world. And I can tell you the return is drastically different that the world will give you versus what God will give you. So how do we do this? How do we make it through when we feel like, God, you've moved. God, you've done great things, but I need you to do it again. Because life is difficult. Life is a struggle. We don't always feel well. And this is actually the title of my message tonight that I didn't give before. But how do we do it? Well, I'm going to take a note from this psalm, one of the most prevalent words in this psalm that seems to be one of the central themes is that how do you do it? You choose joy. You choose joy in the midst of every season, in the midst of every situation, choose joy. It's always there, always there. But will we allow God to open our eyes to see it? Will we allow God the opportunity to help us dig it out and to find it? Or will we just use our temporary eyes, eyes that don't even see the things of God and the things of the, 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 the Spirit? There's a few reasons why we need to choose joy in the midst of our circumstances. The first one is that joy is an expression of gratitude. Joy is an expression of gratitude. You see, gratitude acknowledges what God has done and focuses on him instead of our circumstances. And it receives the work of the Lord because the who is more important than the how. Gratitude acknowledges what God has done and focuses on him instead of our circumstances. So in each and every moment when we focus on our circumstances, over-focusing on God, who God is and who God is for us, then we are not operating in a spirit of gratitude or joy. We are being controlled by things outside of us as opposed to allowing God to reign supreme inside of us. And so I choose joy because joy receives receives from the Lord what it is that he wants to do in my life, regardless of the circumstances. Why? Why can I say that? Shouldn't we say, well, you got to always be mindful of your circumstances? Well, maybe what I have to be mindful of is that no matter the circumstance, God is able to use it for my good. And in fact, there's a biblical promise that God will use all things and all of my circumstances for my good if I love him and I called according to his purpose and I know that each and every one of us are that God will use your circumstances so don't be drugged down by your circumstances be uplifted by the one who has you there because he has you there for a reason it's not just anybody who stepped into your life it's not just a pastor or some king or some person out there. It's not a picture on a wall. It's not, it, 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 it's not some random being that stepped in and rescued you. It is, it is Jesus, the one who has gone to the cross to receive the penalty of our sin. Joy is an expression of gratitude. Number two, joy is the foundation of our strength. 
Joy is the foundation of our strength. And, and worship team, you can go ahead and come back up. We're going to be wrapping it up in just a moment. Joy is the foundation of our strength. You know that phrase in there, we were like ones who dreamed, or we were like ones who, who, who were dreamers. You know that word, there's uh, the, uh, the verbal root in that word, uh, dreamed or dreamers, is actually has to do with becoming strong. When they say we're, we were like those who dreamed, you could actually even, and maybe I think some translations might, you could substitute we were like those who became strong. But isn't it true whenever you have a dream in your heart, you've got this strength that, that just doesn't seem to make sense, right? You've got a desire to, to shake and to move and to do whatever is necessary to accomplish what is, is going on in your heart. When you have a vision for something, when you have renewed life, you're, you're filled with, with a strength. And, and so the joy of the Lord is is the source of our strength. And in fact, we know that there is a biblical scripture that says that, that the joy of the Lord is our strength, and it will give me the strength to get this thing undone. But here's the point, is that a place of strength is where we're able to look back at the former works of God in our life with confidence and expectancy instead of a sigh and despair. Because it's the strength inside of us that says, God, you did it before, and so I'm coming to you because I know you're going to do it again. We've got to have the joy of the Lord, the strength of the Lord inside to be able to look back knowing that God did something before, but still standing in the midst of circumstances that don't make sense, that don't feel good, and have an expectation that God's going to do it again. And that's that what I was talking about before, that, that sowing and that reaping and, and making sure that I get the full blessing of the Lord to carry me further. But the last one, or, uh, oh no, the, the second part of strength is that strength empowers us to be faithful in the routine as we trust him for the coming reward. And I found that to be a powerful statement. Strength empowers us to be faithful in the routine. I'm, I'm a person that hates routine as much as anybody. Routine to me is like boring, right? I get, I get really irritated sometimes with routine because I just feel like I'm stuck in a rut, like, right? I'm one of those people that likes spontaneousness. I'm like one of those people that likes to just, you know, just do stuff, you know, random stuff whenever. Just go this, just do that. But, but strength empowers us to be faithful in the routine, it, it empowers us to do what's necessary to posture ourselves as we wait for the reward that God has promised us. And the third one is joy is the byproduct of faith. You have it on there? Not yet, but okay. Joy is the byproduct of faith. You see, sowing is an analogy of surrender or letting go of control. And if you think about it, you know, when we sow in our lives... If you think about an actual farmer sowing, I mean, they're literally walking out with something that they have in their hand that they can see, and they're dropping it in a patch of dirt to where they no longer can see it, and they no longer have control over what's, what's going to happen. I mean, certainly there, is, there are things that you can do to, to give yourself better odds. You can water it. You can fertilize it. You know, maybe pray over it, do a rain dance or two, whatever. But you're literally surrendering what you have in your hand to dirt (laughs) 
like to dirt. Dirt doesn't do anything. Like it's just, it's dirty. And you're dropping it there with an expectation that out of the dirt, something is going to come up that's going to be great, right? And the power of that is, is true even in our spiritual lives and why joy is a byproduct of faith. Because every time that I come to God and I sow something, I'm bringing something that I have in my hand and I'm dropping it down at the feet of Jesus in a place where I no longer have any control over it. I no longer can see it anymore. I no longer have any power over it anymore. And I'm completely trusting that this God that I cannot see will do something that I could never understand. And the funny thing about it is, is in the natural, if you bring apple seeds and you plant them in the ground, you're going to get apples, right? If you bring watermelon seeds, you plant them in the ground, tomato seeds, you plant them in the ground, corn, you plant in the ground, you're going to get what kind of plant that you planted in the ground. And certainly there are situations where we get out something similar to what we put in. I sow into ministries financially. I, I, I believe and I know because there's been times that God has taken care of me that I know it's because I've willingly sowed into other ministries and missionaries and just been generous to people. I think that and that God can produce a blessing of, of like manner. When I'm in need and when things are difficult in my life, God can then do that. You know, when I sow love, when I sow respect, when I sow honor, I can get those things back. But you know the most amazing thing about God and the kingdom of God is that I can come to God with, with, with the most disgusting things that anybody could come with. I can come to God with my sin. I can come to God with my seeds of brokenness, with my seeds of hurt, with my seeds of pain, with my seeds of sexual addiction, drug addiction, alcohol addiction, uh, murder. It doesn't matter what it is. I can come with these seeds that I've produced in my life and I can bring them to the Lord, and I can drop them at the feet of Jesus, but I'm not going to reap what I just sowed into to, to the Lord. I'm going to reap something so much greater that I could never understand from God because he's not going to return to me what it is that I've put into the ground. He's going to honor that I've let go and I've given control to him to, so to overcome what it is that I've put in the ground. Because why? Because he's the one that has gone into the ground and overcome everything that I've placed under there. And so it doesn't matter what I bring and I leave it at the feet of the Jesus, at the feet of Jesus. He's going to determine what kind of crop comes up and what the reward is. But what my responsibility is, is to see and know and trust in the things that God has done before. To see where I am and stand here and say, God, you did it before. I know you can do it again. God, do it again and move. And and I'm going to wait and I'm going to stand and I'm going to let God bring to fruition what has been sown in my life so that I don't just walk out with a bag of seeds. But I walk out with sheaves of blessing and prosperity, that word that has been so ruined by our American cultural nonsense. But God longs to prosper. God longs to bless. God longs to pour his favor on each and every one of us. God longs for us to be caught up in the streams of healing flood that come down from the mountains when we're in the valley, when we're in the low place, when we're in the desert, so that streams of water can cause new life to come up. That's what God is doing in each and every one of us. But will you see it? That's why he died. That's why he planted himself and rose up again for us. Because by being the firstborn that, that many could follow. But he went first. He stepped out first. 
And so tonight, I don't know where you're at in the process. I don't know if, like I said before, you're somebody that hasn't had an experience with God, and so you're just standing here looking around and trying to figure out what everybody else is excited about. I hope that you can, with, 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 with some mustard seed of faith, latch on to just one testimony tonight. Or talking to just one person and hearing what God has done in their life. Is it perfect? No. Has everything automatically changed and they're walking around with diamonds in their pockets? No. But they now have the ability to succeed in the dry desert that they were dying in before, of which you now find yourself in. And so the question is, is will you allow your mustard seed of faith to be laid at the, the feet of Jesus to allow him to bring up a crop, or will you hold on to it? Because I'm telling you, if you leave it at the feet of Jesus, if you surrender control, that he's going to produce something with it. Even with just a mustard seed of faith, we can move mountains. But maybe you're somebody that's experienced the goodness of God before, but now you're wondering and you're questioning and you're hurting and you're frustrated and you're struggling and you say, God, what happened? I know that you delivered me before, but did you deliver me to, to bring me to this place? God, restore me, O Lord, like the streams in the Negev. God, I don't want to just be quietly moved along. I want the rushing flood, the healing floods of the Lord to come down and wash me away and to fill me up. God, change me, heal me, restore me, do something great. You see, joy sees miracles of the past as possibilities of the future. Joy sees dry places as potential rivers. And joy sees the harvest in the midst of the toil of sowing. Don't grow weary and doing good because at the right time, you will reap a harvest. That's New Testament. That's not even Psalms anymore. It's a biblical principle. Don't grow tired. Strengthen yourself. Encourage yourself in the Lord. Stand strong with other people around you. But realize, choose joy instead of your circumstances. Choose joy instead of anger. Choose joy instead of frustration. Don't allow yourself to go those places anymore because God has done too much and desires to do so much more to give up and to quit now. Stay in the process because I promise you when you do, I promise you when you do, even in your mistakes, you will be so much more blessed than you ever could have been before in your life with what you did without the Lord. Even in your sin and even in your backsliding, even in your brokenness, your mess, you'll still be more blessed because you're in the care and the covering of Jesus. He longs to bless and he longs to pour out his favor. And so, God, I pray tonight, just as we sang from the beginning, meet us here again. Meet us in this place again, Jesus. God, we lift our voices with the ancient people who said, Lord, we rejoiced and we laughed and we were filled with joy and your glory was so great that everybody saw it. But, Lord, do it again. Lord, we're standing here to, to see the rest of the, the process. We're standing here to see the fulfillment of our salvation. We're standing here, Lord, to be taken to the next step, the next place, the next season. And so, God, I pray that you would give us all grace and you give us all strength, that you would help us all choose joy, that you would help us all choose laughter. It's still there. We left it behind.
when we realized there was work, when we realized there was still struggle, when we realized there was still life to be lived, we dropped the laughter. We dropped the joy. We dropped the excitement. We dropped the glory. But God restored again so that we may be sustained and strengthened for what you want to do. God, I pray those in this place tonight that are doubting, for those in this place tonight whose faith is broken, God, it's not broken. It's not lost. It's not gone. It's just ready for a fill-up, God. It's just ready for the streams to come down, the wadi from heaven to come down and to flow through and cause new life to form again. The faith seems low because it was what you were running on yesterday. God desires to renew your tank of faith for the journey up ahead. God desires to renew it and to fill it tonight. And so God, do that in this place. Lord, we've moved. We've come to a new place. We have a new situation. We have new circumstances. We have new trials. We have new struggles. We have a new house. We have different things going on, some things that suck, some things that are great. But God, in your presence, Lord, it is all, uh, it is all so much better than anything else that we could experience. And so God, let it rain in this place tonight. God, as we seek your face, God, as we pray, even with the most, the littlest piece of expectancy and hope that is available to us, hear us, Lord. Hear us, Lord. Because it's those who stay in the struggle who reap a harvest of joy and laughter. It's those that don't become discouraged and quit. Those who are willing to sow the tears. Those who are willing to sow the the pains. Those who are willing to sow the uncomfort. God, help us. Help us do that tonight.